Alright, here we go. Welcome in another episode of Living Off the Land. I'm here. Uh I'm my name's not here. I'm Dan, and I'm here with uh co host Steven. Steven, how we doing? Episode two thirty five. We're doing really good. And and of course it's Wednesday night. And you know what that means. It's L O T L. L O T L, baby. Well, uh, it's been a little bit of a weird schedule for us. Uh, last week we had uh, Jordan Hoffman on. We did a little bit of a Columbus episode last week. Mm-hmm. We did not do a traditional post-game show after the Monday night football game because it was on Monday night, and we had to work the next day. So we kind of combined that with our Columbus episode last week. And then this past weekend we had the bye week for the Browns, so we also did not have a post-game show on Sunday. We were just like the schmucks on ESPN 850 who just didn't even have local programming at all uh, wow. that Friday. Yeah. I guess so. But, uh, <laughs> hey, those guys are paid. We're just doing this for fun. Um, but, yeah, so we'll get back into our normal rhythms now uh, until the end of the football season now because there's no bye weeks or anything like that. So, uh, But first, we've got a beer this week, and I am – Still in a little bit of an Oktoberfest mood. We're not quite, even though they're available now, we're not quite into the Christmas sales yet. Uh, I am drinking an Oktoberfest from Great Lakes. The uh, the OG. The OG, the Martzen-style uh, lager. And uh, here we go. <sighs> Crispy. Very good from Great Lakes. They do a really good job with their Oktoberfest. I enjoy it a lot. They are independent and employee-owned. Hmm. Uh, 6.5% alcohol by volume. So you mean you don't have to worry about them getting taken over like Twitter or FTX or one of those? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Speaking of FTX, wow. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about. That's uh, some... It's big cri- buyers of cryptocurrency just lost their shirts big time. Yeah, basically. And uh, if you don't know uh, who Dave Portnoy is, he's the founder of Barstool. And uh, he, he made it known today that uh, he bought a million dollar. This is, I, this is I think, maybe like uh, a year ago or close to a year ago. So FTX used to be a sponsor on Barstool Sports. He used to be an advertiser. Mm. And uh, – uh, so when Dave Portnoy went to buy Bitcoin, he did it through FTX, which is one of their uh, advertising partners. Well, uh, because FTX is essentially going out of business, basically, uh, Dave Portnoy is not going to be able to get his million dollars back. He essentially lost a million dollars today. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Like, yeah. God, really? Yep. Sounds like somebody needs to go to jail for this. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I, the, uh, yeah, the CEO, I can't remember his name. Uh, so Blackman Freed or something, I think is his name. I don't mm. know. But anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a little foray into... Uh, into Somebody's getting fired! Yeah, well, more than that, probably. But uh, anyway, oh yeah, Great Lakes Oktoberfest. Like I said, 6.5% alcohol by volume, 20 IBUs. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the – I mean, everything that Great Lakes does, you can pretty much call OGs. Great Lakes is the uh, OG brewery in the city of Cleveland. And they do a lot of, a lot of things uh, very well. Uh, let me see here. Here from Great Lakes, a little take on, on their Oktoberfest. They say, Prost! Our take on this classic German style is a celebration of maltiness packed with rustic autumnal flavors to put a little more oomph into your oompapa. Uller smooth with vibrant malt flavors and a festive flourish of noble hops, lederhosen not included. Hmm. It is a four-time medal winner at the World Beer Championships. Uh, they've won gold and silver with this beer. Um, it is ranked outstanding on Beer Advocate, a score of 90. It is the number five ranked Mierzen, uh style of Oktoberfest on Beer Advocate. And it, uh, let me see. Yeah, like I said, 90 is their score, which is technically an outstanding um. So yeah, that is Oktoberfest from Great Lakes. I'm gonna go ahead and rate it. Who, you know, it's it's getting to the point now where I feel like we need to distinguish the ratings between the styles. Because if I give something like a seven point nine, and I give something else like an eight point four. I might actually like the seven point nine better. It just differs between the styles. Hmm. Um. But I'm gonna go seven seven on the Oktoberfest from Great Lakes. Very very good beer. Um. I do. I like Oktoberfest again. It's it's a seven point seven probably because Oktoberfest isn't really my favorite style of beer, but I do enjoy it. It's it's not that I don't like it. So seven seven is actually a very good score. I really enjoy. Uh, Oktoberfest from Great Lakes. Um, some really cool uh, can art. The Bavarian flag is on there. Uh, a big stein or a liter of uh, beer. Somebody holding up a liter of beer on the uh, on the bottle art. And yeah, so that is this week's beer of the week. Oktoberfest from Great Lakes. All right. So. Let's get ready for some Better Noah Neighborhood. So last week we were up in Lake County. We went to Menor. This week we're going to stay out on the east side, but we're going to come back into Cuyahoga County. Um, this is a, a week where we're not we're not taking the car. We are taking the train to this week's destination. And this is a place that is highly historical, in fact so historical, that 75% of the houses in this community – are listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, can I guess? Yeah, sure. Cleveland Heights. Oh, you are so close. Damn. I mean, literally borders. Shaker Heights. Shaker. Ah, yes. Shaker Heights is in the east-southeast portion of Cuyahoga County. Borders. The, Shaker Heights is the Raiders, right? I... I'll take your word for it. I actually did not know. Keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. That's cool. Um, You know, this is high school football playoff time, as we uh, mentioned a bunch last week. Um, Sugar Heights is in the east-southeast portion of Cuyahoga County on the bordering the southeast side of Cleveland, uh, right along East 154th Street and Van Aken Boulevard. Uh, It 
its southern border is mostly made up of Scottsdale Boulevard. The eastern boundary zags a little bit, but it goes between Warrensville Center Road and South Green Road. And then the northern border is mostly along Fairmont Boulevard. They are indeed the Raiders. All right. Good job. Uh, Shaker Heights, as its name suggests, was primarily settled by the Shakers, a uh, ah. a group of people, religious people, that uh, settled in eastern Cuyahoga County uh, back in the early 1800s. And the community, as I said before, again, 75% of the houses in the community are on the National Register of Historic Places. That is incredible to me. Um, it's a very quaint community, and as you might expect, the real estate there is in some cases, quite pricey. Um, nowadays, in addition to the remaining shakers and within the population, you have a huge um, Jewish population in Shaker yes. Heights. Yes. Uh, there's, I think it might that in Cleveland Heights, you have almost as many synagogues as you have churches in those in those two areas. And the reason I said earlier that we were taking the train and not the cars because it's extremely it's extremely inefficient and annoying to get to by car because there is no highway even remotely close to this area. Right. But there are two main train lines that go directly through Shaker Heights. The blue line cuts right down the median of Van Aken Boulevard and goes through the southern portion of the city. And then the green line cuts straight across Shaker Boulevard, Ohio Route 87, and that goes directly uh, through the central and northern portion of the city. So a lot of the people who who live here are kind of like in downtown in a way because a lot of them don't have cars. They 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 take the train. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in general, the red line. Well, the you got three lines that basically go to the east side. The the red line, which uh, term, has the terminus at Windermere and East Cleveland, and then the two here that I just mentioned, the blue line and the green line, which basically run between downtown and well, green line ends in Shaker. The the uh, blue line actually. Uh, terminates in Morrinsville Heights, just a little bit to the east. Uh, you don't have as much connection in the west side. You really only have the, the red line going between downtown and the airport, which is too bad because when you think about it, you could have lines going out along the lake shore, out toward Lakewood, and then beyond, and the Rocky River, and then perhaps along the I-71 corridor as well, going south from the airport down towards Strongsville, Brunswick, and Medina. It just never, just never really happened, so... But be that as it may, uh, that was it was a very planned community, Shaker Heights, and it still kind of has that feel to it today. It's it has a very quaint, insular type of community, mm. uh, but perhaps because of its you know isolation from any sort of highways. Um, if you talk about the main commercial corridor in the city, the majority of it is along Sh- uh, Chagrin Boulevard, which is immediately just south of Van Aken Boulevard. It's it's kind of interesting because you got two main streets like literally within two blocks of each other going east west and from from this corridor you you know it's just you have a nice little restaurant corridor actually in the southwest part of the city uh upper crust pizza and chicken is over there a touch of italy is over there saffron patch which is a really high respected indian restaurant is over there uh and uh i had another one on the tip of my tongue and i i missed it but as you go further to the east over toward the southeast side of town, that's where you have your Van Aken Market Hall district. And this little kind of quaint little district has um, has some good local businesses there. Cilantro Taqueria is one. You have a Mitchell's Ice Cream over there, which Mitchell's is amazing. It doesn't matter what part of the city you're in. Mitchell's is incredible. Uh, Michael's Genuine Food and Drink is over there as well. That's just a traditional American place. 
Um, so, so there's there's a lot of good spots to check out along that corridor, along Chagrin. I'll, I'll just warn you right now, if you are anywhere to the west of Lee Road, do not go too far west because the boundary along East 154th is about as stark as you could possibly have it. Shaker Heights, it's uh, just the phrases here. East side of that boundary, Shaker Heights, good. West side, Cleveland, that's Union Miles neighborhood, bad. Just, just calling it out like it is. At any rate, again, when you're talking about the, um, the general neighborhood here, you have houses in the north, houses in the south, to the to the south of Chagrin, and then in the middle you have a lot of green space. You, in fact, Canterbury Golf Club, which is technically in Beechwood, but borders the, uh, which is right on the boundary. That's a championship level golf course that's just off of South South Green Road. Um, that forms some of the green space, and then there's more just to the north of Van Aken Boulevard. And I can't that that's actually, in fact, Shaker Heights Country Club is in that little area as well. So you, if you're a golfer, you've got two like super golf courses that are literally right there. I think they're both private clubs, unfortunately. But if you got the funds, why not? I believe they. I know Canterbury is. Yeah, Canterbury has hosted uh, events, I believe, on the Champions Tour. I don't know if they've ever hosted on the PGA Tour, but. Um, I think probably they had a, a senior as well. I think they ever had a. I think they had a senior PGA Championship there not to, not too long ago. Yeah. Um, you also have you have three high schools in the city as well. Shaker Heights High School, which is in the west side. You've got Laurel School, and then I believe oh, what was the third one. Uh, Hathaway Brown is also within the city. So you've got some. It, it it is really this is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, you've got some really upper level real estate, particularly on the east side of town. And there you go, you got private clubs, you got private schools, you've got um, some really great options. Uh, I mean, as far as raising a family goes, if you can, if you can deal with having to drive fifteen minutes just to get to a highway, yeah, you know, it's not a bad option. I just got you know just throwing it out there. In fact, Beaumont is just over the border as well, just over in Cleveland Heights. Uh, literally right on the northern boundary of the city. So, in fact, Horseshoe Lake Park is right along that northern boundary now near Beaumont as well. And that's maybe your one really good opportunity for, like, parkland, um, you know, walking on trails, getting kind of out into nature a little bit. There's really not a lot of that in Shaker because it's so densely populated. But Horseshoe Lake is a good place to check out if you um, are into that. And that is, I mean, that's more or less what you get. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very quaint historical town, uh, heavily Jewish. There's a bit of a, you know, overlapping Shaker population still as well. And if you're living on the east side of the city, chances are you got cash. 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 Straight cash, homie. Yep. So that is Shaker Heights. Hopefully and, hopefully you don't have Bitcoin with FTX. Oh, uh, yeah. If If you're investing into that, well... Well, shucks. <laughs> That's all I can say. My Bitcoin account is literally a third of my actual investment. Right oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the the last the last couple of days have been an absolute bloodbath. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Mm. Well, so. to make it, I own Disney, and Disney was down about twelve percent today. So Ugh. you know, bad earnings report, and it just went. <laughs> so I'm feeling the pain too. Maybe not. 66% down, but, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, you can wham that with the right hand. That's right. That's another one. Yep. Better know a neighborhood. One of these days, I'm actually going to recatalog and, and pull out all 
all the places we've done in which episodes, but I've been lazy. So <laughs> not that I've been lazy, but my life has been absolutely insane lately, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Sunday was my daughter Scarlett's baptism. Uh, she's now a member of the church, which is great. Um, that was a, a very nice event. Uh, in fact, my wife, Ren made some uh, really killer salmon and my uh, mother made tortellini pasta as well. So um, that was a good day. And then yesterday, of course, was election night. And every two years, I hold a shindig for that. Uh, Dan, of course, you were at that, we're mm-hmm. not, and we're not going to discuss any of the happenings because we don't discuss politics on this podcast, but uh, that was a fun time. And then, of course, I got the marathon Saturday, so this week is just ridiculously insane. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling and, going into that? You know, training has been going pretty good um, the last few weeks, ever since you know I, I sort of banged up my left knee about three weeks ago. Um, today, my legs just feel dead. Quite yeah. frankly, I was planning on going for another jog today. It was going to be my last jog before the race. I actually didn't even do it. Yeah. So maybe I'll go tomorrow. <clears throat> if I don't, then I then the next time I'm going to run is actually going to be on race day. So yeah. Um, but when do you when do you leave for Charlotte? Leave for Charlotte on Thursday afternoon. We're going to be staying near Wytheville, Virginia, on Thursday night, which is in the Appalachians, and then uh, we'll get to Charlotte. It's supposed to be like rainy, windy, totally miserable on Friday because the remnants of that. Uh, tropical storm hurricane is going to yeah. be there, but it should clear out, and we should have a nice day Saturday. Uh, so. Nicole, I believe, yes. they named it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So luckily, that's because you know, as as crazy as it would be to you know tell the story of well, me doing a marathon inside a tropical system. I mean, <laughs> I mean it'd be almost impossible. But uh, yeah. no, thankfully that's going to be out of there. So. Um, hoping that uh, the legs are good, they're ready to fire, and you know everything goes goes good on race day. But yeah. uh, I look forward to just resting and not doing shit for literally the next week after that. <laughs> as much as my daughter Scarlett will allow me to do so, but like, right. I mean, it's it's been just. I mean, I think part of the re- trouble I'm having this week actually is just because I've been under so much stress and been so busy lately. Yeah. So, yeah trying to train for this race and doing all this other stuff too. But, you know, that's just me preaching to the choir. Anybody who has a, a kid under one understands what I'm talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Well, good luck. And, uh, yeah, next week we'll, uh, hopefully get a, get a, uh, postmortem. Really nice. Uh, yeah. Recap. Hopefully, yep. hopefully it goes well. And hopefully we, uh, if we're going to telegraph next week's episode a little bit, um, we are planning on doing a World Cup preview as well. Yes. That starting in about 11 days from now, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So The U.S. just announced their roster a few hours ago. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, yeah. So I think, I think most countries announced their, have announced their rosters in the last, like, 24, 48 hours. Yeah, I, I was seeing some of them on Instagram. Uh, Brazil, I think, announced a couple of days ago. England, yeah. I think, is announced. So, we're getting, yeah. So we'll do that. Uh, this will be actually the second World Cup as a podcast because the first one was in the summer of 2018. We started the podcast in the spring of 2018. Uh, we did a little bit of coverage on that. Um, and uh yeah looking forward to doing to it again we'll do a 
We'll do a big recap next week. Uh, hopefully, get some guests on to uh, to kind of help us preview the uh, the the biggest sporting tournament in the world. The biggest. The biggest. The best. So, um, and uh, yeah, so looking forward to that next week. But this week, we got to talk some Browns. You know, it's interesting. Um, I have essentially checked out outside of doing our picks and fantasy because the Browns had a bye week. I've, I've essentially checked out of the Browns since last Monday night. Mm-hmm. Like I barely, I've barely even like thought about them. Yeah. And no it's reason like, to really No, And you got to, you know, they, for, for <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but for better or worse, they kept their season alive last Monday night. Yes, they absolutely did. Um, and I'll tell you what, Tom Brady and the Bucks look bad. Yeah, they're not very good. Uh, there are rumors that Josh Allen is not going to play this week and might not play next week, which is important because we play Buffalo next week. Mm-hmm. And if Josh Allen doesn't play and Case Keenum is the starting quarterback for the Bills, all of a sudden, that game becomes winnable. Playing field becomes a little more even now that both teams are playing their backups. And if that's the case, the toughest game out of the last three we have to play before Deshaun Watson comes back is on Sunday. Could be this one. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the Dolphins are 6-3, and three, and, you know, they had the whole kerfuffle with uh, – Tua Tungavailoa and the concussion thing and all that, but he's back, and he's back to playing very well. I don't think they've lost a game that he started. Is that correct? Uh, Maybe. Or maybe the first game that they lost, he technically started but was still, like, concussed or something, and they, yeah, they lost know. that game. But uh, needless to say, when he's been in the lineup, the Dolphins have been fantastic. Well, they lost the game that he got knocked out in. Mm. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. Um. Sucks. So, yeah, right. Um, but I will say, uh, the Browns essentially not only by themselves, but because of all of a sudden the Baltimore Ravens look good again. The Browns have no margin for error. Literally, the rest of the season, there's almost none. I mean, we we did it the other night when we looked through. Well, what does Baltimore still have to play? The back half of their schedule is easy. Period. Very easy. Yeah. And this I, is why I got so frustrated when we kept losing those AFC games early in the season because us losing those games almost effectively takes us out of the wild card, in my opinion. Unless unless, unless, yeah. the, Brown, unless the Browns were to run off like seven straight wins Yeah, because you're looking at teams like the Jets and the Chargers who yes. are five and four, six and three. There are teams that you might the have Patriots. to try to beat out. The, well, the Patriots too. Yep. Uh, you know, and depending on who wins the division, the Dolphins, too. I mean, this game's huge for a multitude of reasons on Sunday. Are you assuming we're going to lose already? No, I'm saying. Oh. We, no, I'm saying we need to win on Sunday. Right. Against you, the Dolphins. You don't want because... a head-to-head loss to them, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, like, all those teams you mentioned, we've lost two. So, in any yeah. case where we finish with the same record of any of those teams, we're out. We're not getting in. Yeah. And... Baltimore is now six and three, and their schedule is not hard the rest of the season. 
No. So to think that they're only going to win like nine or ten games is pretty. Uh, I mean, the only thing the only thing that would ha- that that would have to happen for the Browns is a Lamar ja- Lamar Jackson injury, like what happened last year, when Lamar Jackson got injured and the Ravens didn't win another game. That's the thing with Baltimore is he literally is their entire team. If he goes out, they're liable to get sh- shut out every week. Right. And if you're considering the other team in the division that's above the Browns right now, the Bengals, who you know looked amazing their last game, but it was against Carolina, their schedule is more difficult, at least in the short term. They got to go to Nashville to play the Titans. They got to play the Chiefs after that. Yeah. So uh, the uh, Bengals and the Browns both they have still got to play the Patriots five, and the Bills. So top five strength of schedules the rest of the way. Yeah, the Bengals are not in a good position either. So Baltimore is really kind of sitting pretty at this point, which is is too bad because. And don't forget with with uh, Cincinnati, they're zero three in the division. <laughs> Which you know, I kind of brought this point up too. Like, why is it that the rest of the NFL can't beat the Bengals? Seems like the AFC North teams, and in particular the Browns, have had have had their number. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And conversely, uh, uh, it it seems like the Browns are one of the only teams that know how to defend Lamar Jackson. They do a decent job of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, the last few times, the last few times they played, uh, a couple weeks ago, he probably had his worst game of the season. Last year, they put him out with an injury, and the game before that, he threw four interceptions. I mean, but. And the only reason that the Ravens won that game <coughs> is because the Browns didn't do diddly-poo on offense. No. <sighs> so, and the Ravens have found a way to win two of those games against the Browns somehow. I have no idea how. I mean, Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions against the Browns, and they still beat us. Oh, God. Well, at least the Steelers stink. The Steelers are pretty bad. They are that's, really bad. That's, I mean, that's good news. Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we get to our uh, league-wide tiers here in a minute. It's kind of a mid-season yeah. update kind of a thing here. So, so anyway, uh, getting into this Browns-Dolphins game, we'll, we'll, do that. we'll do that first, and then we'll do our tiers. You know, you like you like to do probability of victory a lot. Yes. What is your probability of victory for the Browns on Sunday? Keep in, in mind in that, Miami that we're getting a lot of guys back from injury. Right. Denzel Ward is back. And Wyatt Teller is back. David Njoku uh, says he's going to play, but who knows? Uh, not only that, but the Browns. I mean, it's been a while back ago already, but they looked pretty good the last time they were on the field. This is true, and I'll and I'll say this: the last two games were against divisional opponents, and our defense looked has looked the best it's looked all year, which is not really saying much because before the last two games, the defense was hapless. But the defense seems to be finding themselves a little bit and rounding into form. That Deion Jones pickup at linebacker, I think, is going it seems to be a little bit of an unsung uh, move that the Browns made that. Maybe you don't necessarily see on the field, but it's almost like he's stabilizing the linebacker position for the Browns. Well, that would be good. Yeah. So to answer your question, I'm going with 35% Okay. for the Browns to win. Here's the thing with Miami. They have been an unbelievably entertaining team to watch if you're a neutral fan. and If you're a fan of theirs, you're probably pulling your hair out because their defense is giving up tons and tons of points. Yeah. Yet they've they've won like four games in like thirty to thirty something plus shootout 
version, including last week's game against the Bears. How do like yeah. how do you give up thirty two points to the Bears? I nearly lost my fantasy game this week because well, Justin Fields had forty five points. He had one hundred eighty yeah. yards rushing. Yeah, you know, like he had a sixty five yard touchdown run. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> unbelievable, unbelievable. But yeah, so you're saying we should just run Jacoby Brissett for a whole no, bunch of time. because that's oh. not no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm faster than Jacoby Brissett. Mm. But be that as it may, the Browns' offense has the opportunity to put up a whole bunch of points in this game, particularly if they're controlling the line of scrimmage. Like you said, I love the fact that Wyatt Teller is coming back this week. You know, the the O line just looks a lot better whenever he's on the field. It's been that way his whole career. Yeah. Um, and if Brissett's throwing the ball really well, all the better. You know, this this is a game that, frankly, I think the Browns are going to have to probably score thirty points to win the game. Because uh, Miami, unless if. Unless if we see the exact same defense we saw on Monday and they are tackling like crazy and they're, you know, manning up and not giving big cushions and all that, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to find out on Sunday if the Browns have really fixed those miscommunications and blown coverages in the back end because Tyreek Hill is on the Dolphins. And if you haven't haven't fixed uh, communication issues on the back end and the secondary – uh, uh, that guy's gonna hurt you bad. Like it's, the old saying, you don't yeah, got a guy. Yeah, a guy, he'll hurt, hurt you bad. bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Tua might not be able to throw it out there that far, but you know, he might be so freaking wide open that it doesn't matter. So those plays are always the funniest because, like, where there's not even a, I call them social distancing plays now yeah. in the post-COVID era, where the the quarterback throws the ball and then the receivers out there and there's like not a defender even in the screen. Like, it's like, how does that even happen? You know, the receiver's just looking up. He's like, well, I just better not catch. I better not drop this one. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I think if this game is in the 30s, I don't think the Browns have a prayer. I think the Browns mm. need to keep the score low. I think they need to control the ball. Kevin, run the football. <laughs> listen. Listen. It's To me, I'm sorry. It's no surprise that the Browns uh, ran the ball 40-plus times, only threw it 23 times, and played their best game of the season. I'm sorry. It's just not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that the Browns always win when Nick Chubb gets the ball more than 20 times either. If if that recipe, if Stefanski cooks up that recipe again, he's cooking up another Browns victory. If this game... If the Browns have a 35-minute to 25-minute possession advantage like they did against Cincinnati, they have a really good chance of winning. If they use Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt like they did against Cincinnati, I think the Browns are going to win. I just just don't know if I have any faith that they're going to do that back-to-back games. I don't know. If they do, listen... I think if the Browns use that formula, they can beat anybody in the NFL. And especially, you know, we were talking about how these next three games were going to be probably the toughest stretch of the season. But if if Josh Allen is, I mean, even if he plays and he has that strained elbow, I mean, how how effective is he going to be? I mean, he looked horrible last week for the Bills. Terrible. Now he's still talk- hurt. I don't want to talk about Josh Allen. He does, he's not on the Dolphins. That's yeah, that's, that's not this week. Yeah, I'm looking too far ahead because the Browns have put themselves in a situation where every week now is a must win. So pretty much. Yeah, I I think 
if the game is high scoring and in the 30s, forget it. If it's a track meet, forget it. We're not going to win. If the Browns can control the ball, keep Tyreek Hill and that offense off, Jalen Waddle and that offense off the field, I think the Browns have a really good chance of winning. And I will say this I think that stadium is going to be at least half Browns fans. Because even though the Dolphins are good, I'm sorry. The, it's not a good sports city. There's going to be a lot of Browns fans there for sure. You'd have to think that there's a lot of energy around Miami, though, because they have not been good in a long time, and they have a look of a team that could really do damage. You know? Yeah, maybe. But all, so all, I, I, all I know I wonder is, about that a little all bit. I know is there are a ton of Cleveland transplants that are in Florida, and I bet even if they're not in Miami, they are making their way down to Miami for this game. They'll all be driving across Alligator Alley from – Fort Myers and Naples, which are basically Cleveland 1 and Cleveland 2 South. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. So, a little bit of West Palm Beach, too. But, uh, but yeah. So, But be that as it may, uh, you want to talk about the intangibles. You mentioned the stadium. Uh, interesting fun fact about Hard Rock Stadium. The way it's oriented, for an afternoon game, the Dolphins' sideline is always <laughs> in the shade, and the visitors' sideline is always in the sun. Interesting. Buffalo made kind of a stink about this back in week three when uh, temperatures were up over 90 degrees. They ended up losing that game. And well, what's the weather supposed to be like, like in Miami this weekend? I actually, it's the middle of it's going to be I, the middle of November. I actually didn't look. I mean, it probably won't be that hot, but I do wonder how high does the thermostat go inside this the facility in Berea? Yeah, you right. know the Browns ought to be doing like hot yoga. And oh, stuff I'm sure like that. Yeah, you know this week. Hey, if they're not, Kevin, uh, yeah. Turn uh, up the heat. Don't worry about the heating bill. Just crank it in there. Jimmy will cover the heating bill. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right. He's he's paying one guy two hundred thirty million dollars. I think he can cover. <laughs> Who's not even playing right now? <laughs> I think he can cover yeah. the Columbia Gas bill or whatever yeah. the heck they. Have. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Friggin' Columbia Gas. <laughs> they kicked my ass last winter. They're probably gonna do it again. Although yeah, I will that... say, although I will say, I really haven't had to turn the heat on very much yet. And we're, no, we really have. We're, we're from, getting close to Thanksgiving. Aside from the one week in October where it like rained, it was cold and miserable. Other than yeah. that, yeah, I have been doing no. it sometimes at night. I've been doing it. during the day, like when the sun's out. Absolutely not. Like right now, I don't have it on. It's it's it. My my thermostat's holding at sixty eight degrees. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I I have a I have a. Hmm. What do you think? Well, it's prediction time, so I can go first if you'd like. Yeah, because I, uh, I'm really going head over. I, yeah. So head and heart is going two different directions right now. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna give it to you straight. This game is gonna be like most Dolphins games this year. It's gonna be high scoring, and it's probably gonna come down to the last couple of possessions, which means that by default the Browns are going to lose the game by under a score. So I'm gonna say 38-34, Miami. So you have the Browns covering because I think right now the spread is uh, Browns plus four and a half. Yes, I I do have them covering. I was a little bit shocked that that was the spread i actually thought it was going to be like six six and a half i, thought, I figured it I would be the more dolphins, i thought the dolphins are going to be about a touchdown favorite um could be that maybe vegas is a little googly eyed from the browns last game and maybe they're not so high on miami because they just barely squeaked by the bears i i yeah. don't know well look tom brady and the bucks 
being underwhelming and Josh Allen being potentially injured for the for the game against the Bills won't matter if the Browns don't get it done here. So I think the Browns somehow keep it lower scoring than – I wonder what the over-under is for this game. Can you look that up? Uh, yeah. Look, give me Browns-Dolphins over-under. Give me a give me a good feel That's for. It's got to be a pretty high number. I would think it would be like, I don't know, fifty two, fifty. It's got to be, Let's yeah. See. It's got to be at least fifty. Browns, Dolphins, over under. The lines and the spread. Let's see here. Where is it? And another interesting thought uh, stat that I saw today, and this applies to forty-eight and a half. Oh wow, that's actually lower than I thought. Yeah, I'm definitely going with the over. So on if that that's one. the case. They're they're uh, they're thinking like uh, and they got the line at four and a half, so they're thinking like uh, thirty two to no twenty twenty eight twenty four yeah twenty eight twenty seven twenty three like yeah um road underdogs of plus three or more this season are fifty two and twenty eight hold Against- on say that again. Against the spread, road underdogs that are getting three points or more are 52-28 and 28 this year. Interesting. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that they haven't won 52 times, that they've covered 52 times. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna, I am I think the Browns are going to win. I think the Browns are going to win 24-20. Oh, okay. So I'm going the under. I'm taking the Browns to cover and the Browns to win outright. If if I if I had any if I had any uh confidence in my convictions, I'd be betting Browns uh Browns line, Browns money line, and the under on this game. Browns money line is plus one sixty-five. Oh, that's tasty. That is tasty. Oh, by the way, uh starting in January, uh this podcast is going to be uh shifting more towards uh sports the sports betting side of uh of everything once once uh sports betting goes legal jan one we could we should we should reach out to jack and see if we could do a show from there yeah a little sponsorship yeah although i think they do have it they do have a a bet jack podcast so that might be a little conflict of interest but uh yeah so actually you know we do our picks against the spread every week next football season we might actually be putting some money on that stuff i think we should and maybe it's not we bet on every game maybe we do like a like a uh you know, this is our lead pipe lock of the uh, yeah, week a or pa- something a pack like of that. Fives or a, a pack of five games each, and we, you know, yeah. even if it's like five bucks a game, just throw it down. I like that five games. So you, yeah. you got you got four normal games, and then you have your your lead pipe lock is like your the stone money, cold the money, lead pipe lock, it's like the the money ball. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that one we might put ten bucks on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I have. <laughs> I have uh, I have the Browns winning on Sunday. Okay. And they will move to four and five, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. It, and to me, there's there's one way for the Browns to win this game, and it's essentially to follow the like I said, follow the recipe of the Bengals game. You cook that recipe up, you're going to be cooking up another dub. That's how. That's what I think. I guess I just don't have the faith in Kevin Stefanski to do right, the and that's, obvious. Right, and that's why I'm saying I'm I'm. I was in a tug of war of heart over head, and I'm going heart because if I go head, pause. Uh, <laughs> the Brown season's over, effectively, in my opinion. You've put yourself in this position to where now 
essentially every game you need to win until Deshaun Watson gets back. You could maybe drop one. If you go two and one, you you're can five drop and six. one. If you're five and six, you've got a chance. Yeah. Not a great chance, but you have a chance. But my, but but as we were saying about the Bills and and the Bucks, but if you lose this game against Miami, you're looking in. Then you uh, win you're looking both at of those must win games. Number one, whether Josh Allen is playing or not in Buffalo, which is not a good situation to be in. And you get Tom coming to First Energy Stadium, which who knows? But I will say. For as bad as they've been on offense, the Bucks still have a really good defense. So they have been very solid on the defensive side. Yeah, that yes. I will but anyway, grant that they got to get the job done this week. Get the job done, and we are in business. So in terms of tiers across the league, so yeah, how do we want to do this? So obviously, I think I'd say there there are there are probably five. Yeah, is what I would say. Super Bowl contenders, your top contenders, yep. teams that are just good. Your average teams, your mediocre teams, and then your teams that are like going for first pick of the draft. Okay, so let's let's name those. So the, the top tier would be Super Bowl contenders. Yep. The middle or the second tier would be playoff contenders. Yeah. Uh, the the five hundred club. Yeah. The uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a. And then the other ones would be we stink or yeah, then we suck, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. <laughs> we suck, and then uh, high CJ Stroud. High CJ Stroud. Mm. All right. Okay, so do we want to go uh, bottom? Let's go bottom up. Yeah. So this is your high CJ Stroud tier list, and I guess I'll, I don't know, we can rotate back and forth or something. But so here's here's a, here's this group for me. Houston Texans. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. I mean, shocking. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's like a square peg in a round hole situation, at least as far as the coach is concerned. And this is the classic case of the coach not using the talent that he has. He's like trying to plug guys into his system. Yeah. It's just not working. Uh, Carolina Panthers. Detroit Lions. Yep. I think that's it. That's that's my five in that tier. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. So we've got uh, Texans, uh, Vegas Raiders, Lions, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah. I love the fact that. that Pittsburgh is at the bottom. Oh, hell yeah. It's great. Uh, okay. Now our bad category. Yeah. Um, let me see here. I'm gonna go Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, New Orleans. Okay. Cardinals. Yeah. I think that's it. Anybody else you put in there? Okay. So in the in the mediocre tier, you've got. Okay, you've got those teams. I would one, well, actually two, I jump out at me immediately that I would throw in that group. One is the Bears. Yeah, but they've started to play better recently. I mean, yeah, they lost on Sunday, but that was a shootout. That was a really good game against a really good team. Yeah, and, and the they o- and they smashed the Patriots a couple weeks ago. And the other one, maybe I'm giving up on them too early given their track record, but Green Bay Packers. They've lost five in a row. They just lost to Detroit. 
Like, come yeah. on. They didn't even score 10 points. Like, are you kidding me? You yeah. kidding me? I... <laughs> like, uh, that that's me throwing in the towel on Green Bay. I'm sorry. I'm, I can't. Yeah, I was if I were if I had if I were to put another team in there, it would either be Green Bay or Denver. But I decided not to put either of those in there. Yeah. Denver looks by comparison looks like they might be starting to round into form just a little bit. So I I I'm kind of I'm good with I'm good with putting Green Bay in there because they've lost 5 in a row. I actually am a little bit more bullish on the Bears than probably you are. So I would not put the Bears in that category. Is that because of Justin Fields? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And I've seen them play well this year. Like I said, they throttled the Patriots in New England, and they went toe-to-toe with the Dolphins last week. That was a WTF result. Yeah. That Monday night against the Patriots. The Patriots yeah. are going to rue that one because I mean they're actually in last place in their division, even though they're five and four. So, so now we've got the the five hundred club. We called it. Okay, you know what? Put the Bears in because I yeah I don't think they're going to finish five hundred. Okay, so there you go. So we got five teams in the mediocre tier. Okay, so here here's how I I call the five hundred club. Well, here. that was the five five teams in the bad tier. This is mediocre. Yeah, the bad tier. Oh. Okay, so 500 me- is the mediocre literal definition of mediocre. Okay, so here you go. Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Denver. Mm, yep. New England. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. That's kind of a tough one to yeah. slot, but I'm, I'm going to go there. I mean, before New England, I would throw Washington in there. Yeah, I'm not going by any, oh, okay. any discernible order, but... Um, yeah, the Commanders be in there, 49ers, the Rams. Mm, I'm going to disagree with you on the 49ers, even though they literally mm. are 4-4 four and four right now. I, I actually think they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. I mean, you could certainly make that case. I think they're about to go on a run. Uh, and then the other team I put in there is Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. Atlanta's in there. Okay, so we're we're not putting San Francisco in there, but we are putting the other teams that. Oh, and did I did I mention the Rams? I think I, I did. believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're. I almost put them in the bad tier, actually, but. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They're they're just like Tampa. They just can't seem to get out yeah. of their own way. I mean, really. The, to me, they're the defending Super Bowl champs, what? so they're going to get the benefit of the doubt for watching me. them try to run the ball is like you know watching. Well, I'm not going to make that analogy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just it's bad. <laughs> it's yeah. really bad. Okay, so do we are do have we done the entire NFC South now? Uh no, Tampa's still out there. Oh, okay. Even though they're 4 and 5. I mean, somebody's got to win that division. Well, that's so. true. Somebody from that division's got to go to the playoffs and that's the next tier is the playoff tier. Yes. Um so uh, for me, I would put San Francisco in there. Uh yes. Uh I mean, let's just go by division. San Francisco and Seattle are both in there. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Tampa's in there. Yeah. Uh Minnesota's in there cuz I don't they're 7 and 1 but I don't consider them a Super Bowl contender. Okay, that is interesting cuz yeah, 7 and 1 is a gaudy record, but yeah, yeah I don't feel like most people cuz like even Stephen A Smith's not putting them in their top 5 even though 7 and 1. Jeez. Yeah. Uh the Giants are in there. Mhm. Um Dallas is right on that cusp for me. Of being a, an actual con, uh, Super Bowl yeah. contender or not, 
I'm keeping them in the playoff contender because they just they they've never proven in the last thirty years that that uh, <laughs> they can actually be Super Bowl contenders. There you go. Um, Chargers, boy, this is going to be a big category. It is. Chargers, Titans, Bengals, Dolphins, and Jets. I should have put the Bengals in the mediocre tier. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Because <laughs> I've been I've been like deriding them the entire season. Yeah. They look great. They like blow out bad teams, but they can't beat anybody good. Right. <laughs> but so I yeah, agree that's, on that's, pretty much all the that, other calls. That's how many teams? We got one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Ten, eleven. Huh. So basically, the whole playoff field, except for a few. And and well, now, for hang, me. Well, now hang on a second. Did we did we say Miami and the Jets yet? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yes. Both Miami and the Jets. Okay. And to me, uh, I would put Baltimore in there too because I don't think they're I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. You know, with the way their schedule is, if things break well for them, they could have a gaudy record yeah, by but, the end. But again, right. it's the same as thing as they, with Dallas. Like yeah. Lamar Jackson in the yeah. playoffs. Ooh. Yeah, he's won one game. So is Baker Mayfield, and he's terrible. So I mean, Lamar Jackson's won one playoff game. Uh okay. So here's our Super Bowl contenders. Um, in the N- in the NFC, I I have one in the NFC, and that's Philly, Philadelphia, and then in the AFC. Uh, Buffalo and Kansas City. So you're saying it's it's pretty much going to be Philly versus either Buffalo or Casey in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way it looks. I mean, unless you want to throw Dallas, I'm sorry. Even though they're seven and one, I'm just not throwing Minnesota in there. What do the Vikings got to do to get some respect? Because uh, uh, I I am starting to wonder that their only loss is to Philly. Oddly enough, I know, but also look at the division they play in: three and six, three and six, two and six. It's bad. I mean, granted, Green Bay was not supposed to be as they're bad. They're seven as they are. and one, and they're three. They've already beaten everybody in their division once. They're three and zero oh in their division. Yeah, they've already locked up the division practically. You know, at midseason, and they're six and one in the conference. I bet you, if Minnesota was in the AFC, they'd probably be like four and four right now. Depending on who they had to play week in and week yeah. out, yeah, they might be. But, I mean, am I wrong in saying that there's only three legit Super Bowl contenders right now? I don't think you're off base, quite frankly. I mean, would you maybe throw Dallas or Minnesota in there? It, <laughs> Dallas and Minnesota would be the next two teams that I would think about. And, actually, Miami would probably be the next team after that based on Which is hilarious because so they're far. third in their division. And I, I say that because I, I give Miami the advantage over Baltimore because they beat them head-to-head. Mm. So, I mean. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. I mean, so – out of that playoff team tier, again, that 11-team gauntlet that you've got in there, you go all the I way from 12. the Vikings. Yeah, 12 because I threw Baltimore in there. At, you know, 7-1 and one to the team I have at the very bottom of that is Cincinnati. I I just, quite frankly, with the way the Bengals' remaining schedule is, they could easily be under 500. I, I just... I'm not, really? I'm, not getting off, I'm not getting off that hate train pretty much the entire year. I'm just not. <laughs> I just don't like the Bengals. Yeah, I'm I'm like that with the with the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers are are very. Yeah. Good. Oh, you've been pretty consistent on that. And the Chargers, they didn't do themselves any favors this past week. I mean, look even at though it. they did squeak out a win against Atlanta, the Chargers are five and three. They have a minus twenty two point differential. 
at least with the Bengals, they're five and four, and they have a plus forty-three. I mean, a lot of that. Was, yeah, because they're blowing out bad teams. Well, like yeah, Carolina. Yeah, they were up thirty-five nothing at halftime against Carolina. Um, so but yeah, that makes but, that sort of makes your case for you that the AFC is just better than the NFC. Any any time any time a team with a winning record has a minus point differential, it, it stinks to me. It's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the 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 Broncos are three and five, and they have a better differential than the Chargers do. Well, here you go. Next two weeks, Chargers play two primetime games in a row. They play against the 49ers and they play against the Chiefs. So They're going to lose both of those games. If they do lose both of those games, I'm, they'll be 500. I'm so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I could be crazy, and maybe it's just because I really like Kyle Shanahan. I'm very bullish on the four, and and the fact that they got just got Christian McCaffrey. I'm very bullish on the Niners. The 49ers very nearly made the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. You know, they've and while I didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo to, to come here uh, for the Browns this year, I mean, all that guy does is win. Talk about a fan base that doesn't deserve a good team. We were talking <laughs> about Miami earlier. Yeah. San Fran does not deserve what they have well, either. I know, I know you hate that stadium. Well, the stadium sucks. And the, <laughs> the, well, I mean, okay. So they built one huge ass stand on one side, and then there's like this little tiny stand on the other. Yeah, it's they, like. You know what the heck's up with that? And they put the press and, box and all the all the luxury seating on one side. And then on top of that, the field is not a good surface. And then it's on not. top of that, tailgating. What tailgating? Well, they also they don't even have tailgating practically. Well, they also don't. Use, they also don't use Pioneer paint. So oh man, that's just that's just all that's all bad, all bad. Yeah, so so those are our tiers in the NFL. Uh, currently, um, we should actually. Uh, before next week's episode, write those down, and then we should we should adjust every week based on games that's happened, just to see. Mm. So I'll listen back and I'll I'll write down who we had and what tier, and then yeah. not hard to discern based on the records. We didn't really no. go off the wall with any of our choices. Right. Most most actually almost half the league is in that playoff bracket, but that's because we only. You know, half the league does make the playoffs, and we only have three Super Bowl contenders. So, so we'll see. Tell you what, if if Michael Stefano was in this room, he would definitely echo your sentiments about Philly being a lock in the NFC. He doesn't see them losing to anybody. So, well, there's if you looked at their schedule, their schedule stinks. They might go like fifteen and two. The NFC East, they drew, they drew good divisions to play against. Yeah. Pretty much. What is it? The NFC North and the AFC South? Like, yeah. I mean, that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's the two worst divisions in football. Yep. You know, you, you wonder why even the commanders have a decent record. Like, you know, there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah, we shall we shall see. But uh, those are the tiers. Those are the LOTL tiers in the NFL. Very quickly, what, before we transition away from football, I did want to give a shout-out to our alma mater, Bowling Green. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I well, okay. Caveat, this is gonna turn, but this is a program that was awful. The previous like what, five, six years, they hadn't done anything since winning the Mac championship in twenty fifteen. It's just been, they've been in the wilderness for so long and they were on a bit of a win streak uh the last few weeks. They're actually five and four coming into this week, despite an early season loss to an FCS program in week two. Which I mean, we were just like ready to run the coach out of town and just like you know hammer and pitchforks after that, and they've they've just rallied it all together, and coming into this week where they play against Kent State tonight midweek Maction, haha, right, uh, we're in contention, 
to possibly get back to the next championship game. They were tied with Buffalo and Ohio atop the East Division. In fact, tied atop the whole MAC if you include Toledo in there. Unfortunately, tonight's game against Kent is not going very well. No. They were down twenty to nothing at halftime, and it's my 20, it's twenty three to six. My good friend Carl Henderson actually just texted. He's also a BG alumnus. Uh, just texted me, BG ain't bleep. Hashtag fire Leffler, the coach, which I don't agree with that, but it uh, seems to have all kind of gone awry tonight. Unfortunately, it's twenty three to six at the end of the third quarter. BG does have the ball on Kent's side of the field, so if they can score quickly to start the fourth quarter, they may have a chance yet. But this would be so like they've won some games that I feel like they haven't deserved. Well, no, that they've deserved, but they had no business winning, like the Marshall game in Week Three, especially, and then. They've had a couple of other games where they, I think it was what thirteen to nine last week. I can't even yeah. remember the last time they scored thirteen points and won a game. That was pretty yeah. remarkable. So they're going to have a third and when the fourth quarter starts, they're going to have a third and nine from the Kent thirty-seven. So well, they need three scores. It's kind of a dire situation, but you know, if they somehow pull this game out, I'm going to be absolutely convinced that this is just like they're dealing with some magic juju, and this is like. Yeah. Not going to be stopped, and look out Toledo Rockets next week because, like, yeah. you're dealing with stuff that you can't even see or even fathom. <laughs> uh, before we end the episode tonight, just wanted to uh, touch a little bit on the Cavaliers. Uh, yes, they are human. Uh, they blew a game on Monday night, uh, ending their eight-game winning streak after losing the opener up in Toronto. Uh, they lost to the Clippers on Monday night, 119-117. They had a 112-100 lead with 430 left in the game, and they lost. It's hard to get mad at them. It's hard to be upset at that because they won eight in a row. They're they're eight and two right now. I mean, if you if you extrapolate that over the entire season, what are they going to go sixty five and fifteen or something like that? Yeah. Which I mean, even that's best even, record in franchise history, I think was sixty six and sixteen. Sixty six and sixteen, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, think. Listen, the old adage about the about the NBA season is, the NBA season starts and it's still kind of warm, then it snows, then it rains, and then it gets warm again by the time the NBA season is over. So, this is this NBA season is a marathon. So, I'm not going to get upset over the fact. Yeah, when I went to bed, the Cavs were up comfortably, and when I woke up on Tuesday morning, I saw. Oh, holy crap, we lost. But that is always an annoying feeling. Yeah, I mean, but it we're eight and two. Uh we play the Kings tonight. Hopefully we can get back on track against the friggin' Kings. And then we play a Golden State team on Friday that has lost like six in a row. So uh Yeah. Shows how much I've been following Golden State. That was news to me. Oh yeah, they stink. They stink this year. Um that's not something you hear very often. Defending no. champion team in like ten games of the season. Oh, they stink. <laughs> well, Clay Thompson. But I'm loving it. Well, Steph is playing really well. Clay Thompson's just not the same. I mean, the injuries have just absolutely derailed. I mean, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer, but just derailed his Hall of Fame career. Um, and then Draymond stinks. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, so the Cavs are eight and two. They're finishing up this. Uh, uh, West Coast road trip, and then they come home, and uh, yeah, so we'll get a little more in depth on the Cavs uh, as we keep moving forward and getting into the season. Obviously, next week we're going to do our World Cup preview, 
but uh, I'm sure we'll touch on some Cavs and some Browns as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything else you want to say about the Cavs? It's been a great start. I mean, and they've Fantastic. won some games, you know, at I'll the bitter you, end as well. The one thing you know, I wanted to say was they've been the antithesis of the Browns in yeah. late game situations. In, the Clippers game, notwithstanding, in every aspect, it's incredible to me. The in probably the last eighteen months, the culture that this organization has created almost out of nowhere. Um, because they won the championship in 16, 17 and 18. Obviously, they went back to the finals. But uh, 18, we kind of knew. The writing was on the wall with LeBron in Cleveland. We knew he was probably going to leave. He ended up did leaving, went to the Lakers, and then we were essentially burnt to the ground again as, as an organization. We were really bad for the next couple of years. And some, I, don't know, I don't know what you can point it to. Something happened with this basketball team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you exactly where I point it to. When Kobe Altman was able to to get into the James Harden uh, trade negotiations and was able to get Jared Allen uh, from the Nets by throwing in some nondescript draft pick and uh, oh, what the heck was the guy's name? Somebody that didn't even really play for us that much. Anyway, uh, it was you know somebody who not really of consequence, just a throw in. And it was pretty much a nondescript trade at the time. Like, well, we got Jared Allen. Everybody was like, oh, great. I mean, he's pretty good. Like, that's cool. We got him for, like, essentially nothing. So that's great. That's when everything changed. Trading for Jared Allen. Darius Garland was able to get healthy. And he developed. And then when we jumped into the top three and was able to get Evan Mobley, I mean, that's when things were like, okay, we're, we're putting this into a new gear. We're turning this into a new gear. And then, and then of course, obviously, the Donovan Mitchell trade is, has already put its stamp on this organization. And, uh, yeah, it's just incredible what they've built. I mean, these guys love playing together. They love playing for each other. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff is doing an unbelievable job. Kobe Altman has done an unbelievable job. Did you ever think at any point after Kobe Altman's appointment that he would be like an executive of the year type no. candidate? No. I mean, not at all. Not at all. Um, nobody can say they did with a straight face. No, nobody. No way. And number one, it's not even his fault. Uh, Dan Gilbert has never given Kobe Altman's the first executive Dan Gilbert has given an extension to as since he's been owner of the Cavs. Not even David Griffin got an extent. Got an extension. Which I've talked about multiple times on this podcast, what a disgrace that was. Yeah, it was, but it you know, through no fault through no consequence of his own, you know, fell into Kobe Altman and that's worked out pretty damn well. Yeah. Took a little while, but yeah. boy oh boy, has it turned dividends now. Yeah, so this team is freaking awesome. I love watching this team. They're so much fun to watch. They're so easy to root for. That's the thing. There are no egos on this team. None. At all. And some of it is because they're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. But it's just great. It's so fun to root for this basketball team. So hopefully they get back to the winning ways tonight. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep uh, we'll keep watching this run that they're on for sure. Where would you put the Cavs in, a, in an NBA tiers? If we were to do the same tiers... 
because there's only one of two that they're going to go in. Basically, I, can only, I think I can only go based on what I've seen yeah. in the first ten games, <coughs> and I would put them as NBA championship contender. Yeah, because right. their schedule has actually been pretty difficult. Yeah, and, and they've they've gone eight and two. They they beat the defending Eastern Conference champion twice. Both games were overtime thrillers, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd have them right up at the top right now. We're gonna have to wait a few more episodes to do an NBA tiers. Uh, just we got to get further into the season to really do one. But right. that's definitely gonna be another one we're gonna do for sure. Mm-hmm. I would just I would have them just out of the championship uh, tier for me. Um, you know, they're just they're they're young. Technically, they haven't even been to the playoffs yet. The play-in is not the playoffs. Um, so, But, like you said, if you're just going to go off of 10 games, they're there. If the season ended right now, is Donovan Mitchell the NBA MVP? He's certainly in the discussion. I mean, it's probably him or Giannis. I mean, the Bucks are undefeated. Yeah, the Bucks so. are... <laughs> I mean... 9-1. Oh, did they lose? Did yeah. they lose? Okay. But still, okay, 9-1. Right. But... Yeah, I mean, him or Giannis. I mean, I don't know anybody else. Joel Embiid's been hurt, and, and the and the Sixers have had a tough start of the season. Uh, I mean, who else would be a – certainly, you know. Off the top of my head, I don't know how I the mean, Mavericks have started, but, yeah. I mean, Luka Doncic. Luka's averaging like 36 out. points a game. Yeah. Yeah. His usage rate is unreal. There's no way that they can he can keep that up. Uh, no. No way. He'll playing, die like, on the court playing like of 40, exhaustion. 47 minutes a night. Yeah. That's that is the one thing that I worry about with Donovan Mitchell. He's he's playing like thirty nine and a half minutes a night. That that can't. That's a can't, lot of minutes. Yeah, he needs to be he needs to be down like thirty four. So, um, but Darius Garland was out for those five six games during the season, so he had more to. to of course, so he's going to have to play more. Minutes. He had more on his shoulders. So now yeah. that Darius is back and back in the flow, you know, you're probably able to get Donovan some more rest, but. Uh, he's been amazing. Yeah, he's he's top two or three in the MVP uh, category so far this season for sure. So, but uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of Living Off the Land, episode two thirty five. We appreciate you guys listening to the show as always. Uh, you can find us on social media at Stiffs McGee at Daniel J Ford, and you can find the show at the L O T L podcast. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys next week. So, Steve, best of luck. Charlotte Marathon, mm-hmm. all the luck in the world. Hopefully, Hoping for a positive uh, review next week. Hoping to bring back Metal 13. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hope everything goes well. Uh, travel, the race, all that. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch, we'll catch up with you on uh, – well, we'll have to see what your status is going to be for the postgame show this week. Yeah, I wouldn't count on being there for <laughs> Sunday. Um, chances are you won't be hear from me you. again until Wednesday next week. But yeah. uh, I'll have to find a replacement. So. You know, hopefully you guys are celebrating a Browns win. Oh, I God, sadly I didn't project that, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, so for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we'll catch you guys next week. Go Browns, uh, go Cavs, and uh, go Steven. Bye. Bye.